You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. In today's show, we have a special guest. The Chronicle Stephanie Stradley is back with us to talk about this horrible one game losing streak. Oh, I'm just I'm already furious as it as it is right now. Uh, welcome aboard, everybody. I'm Robert Land from the Houston Sports Talk podcast, along with my co-host Brian Patterson from Fansided's House of Houston.com. Thanks for diving into your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. And Steph, let me start off with the positive, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think my math is correct. The Texans win their last three games. Uh, not too difficult opponents here with the Jets, the Jags, and the Eagles are going to be a little bit tough. But uh, no, 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 no. I'm I'm not. I'm I'm going to interrupt you because it sounds like you have an implied premise that the last three games are are cake and they are not. Well, the Jets they they won their first game in two months, and the Jags look pretty pretty poor. I. I thought until the Colts game last week I I don't know are the all three of those games winnable games yes two of those games are on the road you have a young offense that hasn't played consistently you know if you just look numbers wise um that the Texans have one of the easier finishing schedules in the league and to be fair the the Colts matchup probably was the most difficult in that, but I wouldn't just be marching towards the playoffs. Like there's football to play and the Texans uh, have some issues. Like even with their wins, they've had some issues. Yeah. I was just, just trying to be glass half full guy. Brian knows that's tough for me, but I I was trying (laughs) to do it. I won't won't let any implied premises go through, but if they do, if they do win the last three and then the Steelers, Beat the Patriots next week now, given Ben Roethlisberger right now is questionable. That would leave the Texans with the first-round playoff by. I can't believe we're talking about a first-round playoff by, Steph. I mean, Sunday was crazy. I mean, as much as people were really angry about the Texans losing, a lot of strange things happened this last weekend. So, I mean, it, it really is a parody league. I, I, you know, it very much depends on a play here or play there. And... um yeah, I mean everybody's gonna have to you know peak at the right time, and you know, and we've seen we've seen that in season after season where you know a team gets crowned early on in the season and think people think that they're not beatable, but then you know as the season progresses, it either comes together or it doesn't, you know, and a lot of you know kind of the discussions of teams focus on how they started. Now this year's Texans team is kind of weird with the whole and three, you know, win nine in a row thing. But a lot of times our thoughts about a team depend on like, did they win early in the season versus did they win out late? And, you know, they're just going to, you know, the teams that want to compete have to get better and stay healthy at the right time. So here we are. It's nice to be a relevant team in December you know, Texan fans certainly don't take that for granted. Steph, you talked about some of the problems that the Texans have had with their wins. And you know, my question is to you, what is it going to take to convince Bill O'Brien to hire office a coordinator so that way he can worry about managing the game itself? I think he is a great mind as far as a CEO just to manage the game, but I think it's too much on his plate 
what is it going to take for them to to force a offensive coordinator on him? I know he has a lot of power, but come on. (laughs) I I think it's not completely unusual. Like you want somebody who runs your offense to be your offensive coordinator. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's hard to delegate that, that play calling authority. And sometimes you have to develop those people in house to, to get it the way that you want it to be done. I mean, there are some very successful offenses in this league that are called by the head coaches, whether you would consider the Texans a very successful offensive team is a different question, or you might consider that even having more, uh, let's say, experienced staff on the offensive side of the ball might be helpful. Like it's a fairly lean staff as it is. I mean, do I think that would, might be helpful? Yeah. I mean, it could be helpful, but you have to have the right person. You're not going to be bringing somebody in that runs a different offense. Finding the right personnel for your coaching staff is one of the hardest things in the NFL because if people are really great, they're usually not available or they won't be made available, especially for an offensive coordinator role versus a head coaching role. Like it's easier to get somebody as a head coach because they can't deny that interview. For a coordinator's role, if somebody's good, it's hard to get them. And so that's why a lot of teams develop their staff in-house. And then it's, you know, if they're great, then they're hard to keep. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it really is, you know, it really is, you know, the, the... the main issue that the, the Kubiak Texans had is it took them too long to find a good defensive coordinator. And part of that was, you know, some of the people that they were looking at weren't available. O'Brien's first offensive line coach was not his first choice. <laughs> In fact, it was probably like his fourth choice. And he lasted one year. I mean, so it's hard to get a staff together and to get the right guy that you want in your room who runs your offense. Yeah, we've seen that. We've seen that with other positions, position coaches as well. It's taken him a while to get the guys that he wants. Romeo, he got off the bat, but the other guys. Uh huh. Special teams coach Brad Sealy has been a difference maker this year. It's 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 evident. Yeah, no no question about it. Um, I I want to load up uh some Deshaun stuff for you because I I've got a lot on him. But first, just want to remind everybody. Well, the Texans are favored by six and a half points over the Jets. And yeah, it's not a gimme, but uh, they they are favored. And if you think you can make a couple of bucks off of this one, go to mybookie.ag because who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. They've been in business for years. They've got great reviews, a mobile site that's easy to use, and we can only recommend a service that's been good to us. That's why we urge you to make your way to mybookie. They have in-game live betting over-unders on fantasy points scored in the most rewarding player perks in the business. And if you're willing to deposit after 6 p.m., they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. If you join now, MyBookie matches your deposit dollar for dollar. And you get this special offer from us because if you use the promo code LOCKEDON25, that's LOCKEDON25, as in $25, uh, you can get that offer. And if you wait till 6 p.m., uh, you get that extra $25 free play by using that promo code locked on 25. Go ahead, wait till after dinner, take that extra money. Locked on 25 again is that promo code. My bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Well, Steph, uh, I wanted to get into some Deshaun Watson discussion with you. And uh, I guess the thing that we saw in Sunday's game was 
a lot of the stuff that worries you about Deshaun moving forward. Do you think uh, some of the stuff that we saw is correctable, such as, you know, taking a little bit less time and getting rid of the ball? Um, the offensive line is under a lot of stress with Deshaun and the way he handles things. And I, I do think it's good that he's decided I would rather hold on to the ball than throw an interception. I think he needs to get to the point, though, where he's got to know when to throw the ball away. Well, I mean, I think the key thing with this this last game wasn't so much I mean, the obvious stuff with Deshaun, but part of it was the game plan that they had was not working. Like, you know, he was getting, he was playing more aggressively early in the season and he was getting hit a lot and he was having turnovers. So what did they do? They refocused on protection and running the ball, right? Because you're dealing with some of the issues of, you know, like they've had like, you know, their offensive line is not ideal. They've had injuries in game to their offensive line, which kind of takes them off their stride and makes pass blocking in particular pretty difficult. Um, the, the numbers that Watson has as it relates to pressure have not been good. You know, his, his completion percentage when he's being blitzed has not been good. You know, the Browns blitzed a lot because that's their M.O. And the Colts saw what happened and were blitzing, especially with corners. And, you know, until a quarterback can handle something consistently, defenses are going to continue to do that. That's just basic. And so the issue that the Texans had this last weekend is they couldn't run the ball. So they were getting into very long down and distance and and the the Colts pass rush was able to tee off because they you know they knew you know eventually after you run the ball and you're not getting anything from it then you have to pass and that's what happened but part of that is you know part of that is just is not just ineffectiveness of the Texans is the Colts actually have a good run defense when you look at their numbers if, if your traditional numbers and your efficiency numbers are pretty good, then that's pretty good unit. And that's, you know, that the Colts going into that game had the um, number four run defense in the league. Okay. So if you can shut down the run, then you're, you're putting it all on Watson to make correct decisions. And, you know, he made some, correct decisions. And frankly, in this game, you know, these teams were fairly matched. Just a, cu- a couple of plays going the Texans way could have completely changed that game script. You know, like if, for example, J.J. Uh, Watt, instead of batting that pass, takes a, a quick pick six and makes it 14-0, that changes everything with the way that defenders play and, you know, and, and how how aggressive they have to play. So, I mean, coming into this game, these teams were fairly evenly matched. And unfortunately, this year's Colts are not a great matchup for the Texans because, you know, their quarterback is good. The Texans' secondary is smart, but they're not fast. And, you know, they can't play man. So he was just picking apart the zones. And then you have a good run defense, which kind of, takes away kind of the training wheels that the Texans have on their offense where they feel the need to run, even if they're not being very efficient at it, just to take some of the pressure off of Watson because he's just, you know, 
he's learning. And, you know, that learning is not going to be linear. He's going to have some amazing moments and he's going to have some moments where he's learning. Where do you put him? Like if you're just looking at quarterbacks around the league, what what level do you think is Deshaun Watson's ceiling? If you look at, you know, I, I mean, we we don't believe that he's going to be maybe a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers kind of quarterback. I will not concede that. Okay. I will not concede that. He's He is an impressive person. He's being asked to do a lot of things. He is playing with a very young offense. He's got some veteran wide receivers, though. I mean, he has some veteran wide receivers. One, one has been with him, and he has he has a connection to him. The other one, he's learning in the middle of the season. Like, do you like if you, if you just mentioned Tom Brady? Think of all the veteran wide receivers who have not taken the New England offense. I'm, I'm trying to think. Chad Johnson went up to New England, didn't do squat. It's not easy to get on the same page in season with any wide receiver. Like, that's a hard thing to do. And they still have time. Like, I, you know, you've obviously seen some intriguing things out of Demarius Thomas, you know, this early. And I think that you know there's a lot of room to grow between between the both of them. But they have they have all these baby tight ends. They have a below average offensive line. He's barely coming up to his first season in the league. So you know, was Tom Brady a fully formed quarterback his first year in the league? He did some amazing things, but you know his early years in the um, NFL, he was completely helped by his defense completely. So yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to say. I mean, basically he has the story that all promising quarterbacks have early in their career, which is, can they learn fast enough to deal with the blitz before they get hurt? Because there's been all sorts of really promising quarterbacks that get hurt before they get smart. And he's a really smart, hardworking, just very impressive person. He's so mature. He's he knows the responsibilities of the position. It's just it takes some time to learn the NFL game. It's not easy when you have an offensive line that the Texans have two baby tight ends and, you know, you lose your slot receiver and you have Hopkins and some other people. I want to ask you about the offensive line because that is a good question right now as we're getting later in the season. Uh, just a re- quick reminder to all our listeners, though, if you love the podcast, just uh, support us by sharing our show links on t- Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, social media. Maybe write us a nice review on iTunes as well. We will uh, do this show as long as you can support us. Email LockedOnTexans at Mail.com for questions or comments. Steph, on, on the offensive line, you know, as the season has progressed, I mean, this offensive line has taken their share of criticism, but I think we're at the point in the season where they're not terrible. They, they're looking more like a maybe a mediocre offensive line than a bad one. They've gotten better as far as uh, the run game is concerned. We've seen a lot of strides there. Not this last game. Yeah, well, yeah. The Lamar Miller touchdown, that was Lamar Miller. Do they have moments? yes. Are they looking better than the catastrophe early in the season? Yes. Part of that's play calling because they're not asked to do as much. You're not going to want this group to do lots of pass blocking. Have they been effective at the run? At times. But a lot of that sometimes has been against 
defenses that are not really good run defenders. They are going to have to be a lot better because they are going to be facing better defenses if they make it to the playoffs. I guess my question, and Brian, you can chime in too and and, and give your thoughts, but uh, just looking at the Texans right now, I mean, with all the concern over the offensive line, when you get to the playoffs, what position group concerns you the most? Is it the offensive line or is it the cornerbacks and the speed that they've got when you're going up against some of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL and the AFC? Shot or stabbed? I mean, every team in the NFL has strengths and weaknesses. You know, there are teams that would kill to have some of the strengths that the Texans have. Even in this last game, if the pass rush was just a blink earlier, millisecond earlier on just a few plays, that's game changing. But I mean, that's just the nature of the NFL. I mean, so the team is just going to have to figure out ways to minimize their inherent issues, you know, the things that they can't change in season, figure out what they can change. And and the hardest part about any kind of adjustments is you want to make those adjustments. You don't want to make things worse, right? And you also know that everybody, you're making film for everybody, so you don't want to show certain things, but you still need to win your, win your games. And, you know, they have been kind of protecting Watson some with really being dedicated to the run. And and they've been able to do that some because their defense has been good. But yeah, they're going to have, they may at times have to open up their offense more. And, you know, is their, is their um, offensive line group going to be an issue with that? And, and we don't know those things, but like all the teams going in to the month of December have their issues. And it's just a matter of, who can paper over some of their issues the most and really bring out their strong suits. Yeah, I do think the offensive line is going to be one of our biggest concerns at going into the playoffs. Uh, and just hopefully that they're able to come up with a game plan that's going to be able to protect, you know, our quarterback. But, you know, a question to you, because um, I've, I've asked this uh, many times to, to different uh, you know, professionals like yourselves, uh, what is Mike Devlin's job? It, it, should it be, should he be in hot water? Should it be in jeopardy? Can we get a better production out of this line? Than, than the coaching that we're getting right now? Is it because he doesn't have enough uh, to work with? But um, I, I just think, I honestly feel we can do better than Mike Devlin. You pretty much in some ways answered your own question. I mean, <laughs> I, I think I think to, to some degree, we don't really have great evidence from what we've seen. Like I have heard that he is certainly better than the first offensive line coach that they had um, O'Brien's first year. But that might be kind of a, a tallest munchkin thing. <laughs> but the flip side is they haven't devoted significant resources to the offensive line at all. I have detected, and this might be something that I detected this year, that maybe with Brian Gain that they're paying more attention to what they want at different positions like they, they talk a lot about position flexibility on the offensive line, but at some point, and you know, and O'Brien acknowledged this very strongly this year, you have to be good at something first. What's Sammy Coates good at? <laughs> 
I mean, I, I think part of his issue is he's an outside guy and now they have outside guys. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but but going back to the offensive line, like Martinez Rankin is a guard. But, you know, at some point, you know, there is the philosophy that you put your best five on the field. But it's hard to it's hard to say, hey, this is the offensive line coach's fault when you, you, you know, you can't make you know, chicken salad out of uh, chicken beets, you know? Exactly. And speaking of more offensive questions, Deontay Foreman's going to be ready soon. I won't say next week or the week after that, but he's going to be ready soon. What do you think the Texans are going to get out of him? And how do you think he'll be used if he gets on the field? That's a hard call because it's really hard to really practice the run game in a practice. It's like that's one of those things that you really have to do get game speed at. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, during during their winning streak, you know, the whole Miller Blue tandem has actually been working well. And it's it's hard to work a third person in there. And Foreman before he got hurt really didn't have a lot of experience with let's say pass blocking or special teams. And he's coming off of a very serious injury. And the Achilles injury is one of the harder ones to come back from because you really don't have great blood flow in your Achilles tendon. So the healing on that is very personal to that person. I don't know what kind of data they have. Like nowadays, they have data on all their players. They can see how fast people are cutting and how fast they're running. And I don't know if they have specific data on him or if it's one of those things where, you know, Blue and Miller have put in all the work this season and it's going to be hard to break break into this lineup. And maybe he was activated just in case somebody gets hurt. But it's, you know, Miller and, and Blue, if they do their jobs, it may be hard for Foreman to break into the lineup unless he's showing them something in practice that makes them think that he's back to his old form. Steph, this always goes by too fast. Before I let you go, though, I want to ask you about what you're working on. I know you're always working on the uh, question and answers with uh, the team that's coming up on the Texan schedule. Yeah, um, I I do a, a preview post pretty much every week on uh talking to people about what's happening with their team right now. Like, where are they at? and What is their feel for the team? And I usually pick somebody that has a good sense of that. And then I give my, my own comments about what I think about the matchup and, and how, you know, some things that if you know these, if you know these things going into the game, your, your mind's right. Like you, like you'll watch the game and you'll go, Oh yeah, I remember that this is, you know, this is an issue or this, you know, we, we focus on a lot of players that fans may not know, but they should know because they might be different makers in the game, either positively or negatively. And you can find uh, the link to that in my uh, Twitter bio at Steph Stradley. One thing we didn't get a chance to talk about because it's just, it's been really a bizarre last couple of weeks with some passings like George Bush and Bob McNair, but uh, Joe Texan, a uh, super fan of the Houston Texans, uh, you knew him a little bit, right? Oh, yeah. When the Texans first started, there were fans that were really into the Texans, but most fans were like, you know, college fans. And it was really hard, at least among my fans or friends, to know people that were as into this new team as I was. 
And so you'd start attending events. And back in, back in the day, they'd have all these events that you could go to. And there were the same you know, fans that went to all of these events. And Joe was always there. And I got to know Joe and a lot of Joe's friends. And he was a big part of the Blue Crew tailgate, which is in the northwest corner of um, the Platinum lot. He was a member of there's a professional fans association of NFL fans of all different NFL teams. And one of their principles is to use fandom to raise money for people and to know that everybody has a passion for their team. And that's fine. You can hate the team, but don't hate the fans. And so that tailgate invited fans and, and Joe Texans specifically invited fans from other fan bases to come tailgate and just hang out and, and enjoy life. And, and that's, that's what he was all about. And he was so proud of being invited to go to the black hole in Oakland. And he sat in all of his Texans gear in the black hole in Oakland and knowing that he was among friends that took him there. He went to the Monday night football game and it's just amazing that you see him one night and then the next week he's gone. And they had a chili cook-off this last weekend to, um, you know, that they've had annually since the beginning of the franchise. And they renamed it the Joe Texan Chili Cook-Off. The previous week, Jamie Roots of the Texans came to the tailgate and said some words to people and, and, and to Joe's uh, actual family and not just his Texan family. And and I think everybody there appreciated it. And, and I think as everybody has talked about it, it's just, you know, being sure to tell people that you love them when they're still around. And, uh, and, and I think Joe would be tickled by everybody's memories of him. Couldn't agree with you more. Very well said. And, you know, it's just so odd that he passes away within either days or weeks or whatever of, of Bob McNair. It's just kind of crazy. Hey, uh, Steph, uh, always appreciate you taking some time to join us and uh, uh, always appreciate your interesting uh, point of uh, view. I'm glad to be on a podcast. This was fun. We're going to wrap it up real quick. Just a reminder uh, to everybody that uh, Brian's got everything covered on houseofhouston.com and Houston Sports. we got our Locked On Texans site lockedontexans.com a lot of fantastic work over there my houston sports talk podcast easy to find in the same places you find this podcast that's all we got for this one uh, we're going to talk to our locked on jets host part of the locked on network and preview the game tomorrow so you're going to win and listen to that until then have a great week you are locked on texans your daily houston texans podcast Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.